Welcome to our podcast Christmas special. We're delighted to present three snappy 20-minute episodes of opinion, discussion, information and ideas from two industry experts. We cover 5G, IoT and edge computing. Our first expert is Scott Stoneham, who is an independent technology analyst and connector. With a focus on technologies with purpose, Scott is passionate about discovering companies using technology to do good for the planet and all of its inhabitants. Scott's work can be found on www.wellthatsinteresting.tech. Please contact them via the website. Our second expert is Russell McHugh, who represents a number of startups in the US market in diverse areas, such as smart agriculture, IoT, and 5G managed service providers. Also, metering, connected cars, and software testing. You can contact Russell via LinkedIn. This is a great fun podcast with two knowledgeable industry experts who dissect and analyze 5G, IoT, and edge computing trends over the three short podcasts. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. This podcast is sponsored by Netzer, Digital First Selling. During these times of COVID and falling telco sales, Digital First Selling is the answer to new customer acquisition, increasing revenues and cost reduction. If you are a telco, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, we have the ideal Digital First Selling as a Service solution for you. The Netzer Digital First Selling solution enables you to sell and onboard remotely. It will integrate with your BSS and OSS systems and with Salesforce and we meet all regulatory requirements. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com so that we can understand your issues and provide you with the best solution. Welcome to the podcast. And um, This week we thought we'd try a different format. So we have three people on the podcast, including myself. Uh, we have Scott Stoneham, who is an independent technology analyst and he says technology with a purpose which I don't really understand so we'll let Scott explain that in a minute and we have a friend of the podcast Russell McHugh who is a business development man based in California and has a lot of views on IoT which I found very interesting so first of all guys welcome to the podcast. Yeah thank you it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks Pat good to be with you again great to be here. Everyone ready for Christmas? Everybody is ready for Christmas. <laughs> this time next week, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm choosing the. I'm playing playing the outro tune because I know exactly what I need to play to make this work. Okay, so forgive me that. So what we thought we'd talk about is the famous savior of the world that's coming over the hill right now, which is five G, fifth generation mobile technology. But to set it off, we thought we'd first of all just. Maybe I'm going to ask Scott just to say what 5G is. We've had 2G, 3G, 4G, and we're on to 5G. Maybe, Scott, if you could just have a few words about what exactly 5G is for the audience. Mm -hmm. um, so it's quite interesting. Um, in many senses, it's just an evolution. But in most senses, it's completely different. And depending on who you talk to about it, you get a different perspective of it. So from the point of view of being just another generation, you know, 5G means fifth generation. It's the fifth generation of mobile network that uh, is currently being deployed. So that follows the fourth generation, third generation. So all you have to do is count really. 
to be a telecom engineer. Um, that's going to get me into a lot of trouble with my well, telecom. Someone mightn't be able to make that uh, step, Scott. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but then, um, but then, seriously, it's um, there's so many fundamental changes that 5G brings along that it, it does it a complete disservice to really just say it's another generation. I think uh, the media and a lot of people get caught up with focusing on things like millimeter wave, which is a piece of 5G, and that's the piece that um, you know it's part of the radio frequency. How how the uh, how the devices talk to a network over these millimeter waves as kind of radio frequencies. But 5G is not just that. It's a lot more. 5G can work on the existing frequency bands that mobile operators use today. So there's it continues the growth and kind of development of, of that. But as you go back in through the mobile operator into the network, 5G addresses so many different parts of the network that it is, it is fundamentally changing how networks are being built, how they're being rolled out, and the future that they will play in our, in our world, basically. Okay. Yeah, just just to add to that, um, Pat. So then, what 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 Scott has laid out there from a technical perspective and the continuation, as as, as he described from the, the two, three, and four G, now we're on to five G. So the 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 obvious thing is the the whole set of new services that are possible because of five G. So. You know, if we're looking at it, you know, can we describe 5G as transformational? And theoretically, it is transformational. It's going to allow a whole bunch of new services that we haven't, well, we, we have thought about them before. And, you know, to an extent, they're out there today. Everything from augmented reality, self-driving cars, there's a role for it to be played in that. So with the adoption of 5G, we're going to see a tremendous sort of rollout of new services. And that's because of the fundamental features that 5G is offering, higher bandwidth, lower latency, and all of those things that we read about in the press is going to enable all of these things. Yeah, I mean, is it true that 5G will require a magnitude increase in the number of cell sites, although they will be much smaller? Is that what the typical layout will be? Yeah, so maybe we can get onto that. Um, But I just want to come back on something Russell said, because this is a really important point. The, The... Yes, it's going to create so many new types of services. But going back to what I was saying about how it's just another generation um, without underplaying it, the aspect here that I want to explore is that like 2G, 3G, 4G, it's one of those things where the operators and the ecosystem need to believe in it before they understand what it's really going to be. Because these new technologies, these new capabilities are going to create things that we don't know yet. And if we look back, if we look back through the previous generations, I was heavily involved in the rollout of 3G when I was working at Vodafone. And, you know, the, the kind of primary, the hero use case for that was, if you remember, these flip phones with cameras. And everybody was going to be taking photos. We were going to have two-way video calling. And this is around, was it 2003? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, that's how the business case was justified. These wonderful new multimedia services, everybody was going to be sending MP3s to each other and sharing them and downloading them from the operator's own kind of private portals, as we call them walled gardens back then. But really, that idea that we had for 3G didn't really materialize for the masses until 2016 when WhatsApp built their own service and they reached, I think it was a billion users worldwide in 2016. 
So if you think about it, the 3G use case was starting to be built around the end of the 1990s. There's a lot of kind of speculation about what the services might be, how it might work, the benefits it would bring to consumers, to businesses, to the operators, to advertising as well. That was a big one back then as well. And we built it. And guess what? Those things didn't work. They took another 16 years to work. But new things came along that we'd never seen before, like the iPhone, the app stores. These things came on the back of 3G. And when 4G came along, then we started to see the kind of streaming services. We started to see the development of, you know, the uh, over-the-top over players like WhatsApp and FaceTime as well to be able to deliver the video services that we had envisioned way back in the beginning of 3G. But actually 4G created a whole bunch of other services that were never envisioned at the beginning of that as well. So the point is with this is that, a lot of the problems um, and miscommunication and the difference between hyperbole and hype, I guess, that we have in, in the world today with 5G is that the whole industry is pretty much guessing as to what's going to be the, the killer use case for 5G. Now, we have some pretty good ideas of what categories they will be in. So, Russell, you mentioned some of those already. Autonomous vehicles, there's going to be a... Well, well, yes. well before we get into that, like, first of all, yeah, I concur with what you said, because I remember getting my first camera phone and thinking, this is great, but I quickly ran out of things to take pictures of and who to send them to. But it was actually the development of the WhatsApp, but also, say, Facebook and so on. This, it was social media that generates the content that is shared on 3G and 4G. So, yeah, absolutely. And we weren't even thinking of that. OK, I know there was some early attempts at social media back in the 90s, MySpace and so on, but... It wasn't until they took hold that we had this huge generation of data, our personal data. I mean, what do you think, Russell? Do you think that's fair enough? I think that's a fair comment. I mean, so so what, what Scott was alluding to there is the fact that it gives rise to these other sort of uh, buckets of industry, if we can call it that, that, that actually start because of the connectivity enablement that, you know, these next generation are able to give us. So if we look at 5G, you can, it, it already is sort of given sort of a whole new lease of life to the idea of a private network. So we've got the wide area network, which is, you know, going out there using your phone and, you know, the, the rollout you know, here in the United States, for example, um, Verizon and all the major networks are pushing on very, very quickly with the rollout of their of of, of the five G networks. That's one aspect of it, and that is incremental to the four G world that we've had already. Now you get into the whole area of private networks, and this is where five G gives whole a whole new meaning to that. So the idea of building a network that you can control if you're the the owner of your um, retail or or industrial or you know, um, distribution center or whatever it is, now you've got a whole new sort of private network capability that you really didn't have before. Right. So then we, then we start, you know, go okay, ahead. Okay, so, so this is where we're getting into use cases. So, so let me just quickly say, I, I think, you know, the film Field of Dreams and the famous phrase that came from that, you know, if you if you build it, they will come. So, right. so we're at that stage now. So what we're in the process of the early build, the early devices. What's going to come? Scott, do you want to have a crack at that? <clears throat> what's yeah, interrupt, in, interrupt me if I go on one of my monologues again. No, it's okay. Um, no, no, but, so, uh, it's okay. I mean, we're, it's just going to be free form, guys. You'll, so you'll, you'll, you'll be cut. You, you can I, cut out 20, 80% of it, leave just the no, 20%. No, I'm leaving this in, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Fine by me. It all adds to the authenticity of it. Uh, 
so so yeah so i think yeah where are we where are we today um there's still a lot of talk around the hype of what it's going to be and i think you know, you have some very senior leaders from the telco telco industry attending things like the world economic forum and davos and telling us it's going to create all these wonderful things and maybe we don't need to go there right now we can talk about that when we start talking about future your question is you know what do we have right now well there's lots and lots of trials going on, which is which is great. And the trials are designed one to test the uh, the infrastructure of the hardware, you know, the whole all of the technical specifications. But they're also designed to test to see what works and what customers actually want. Now, I think the first tangible, really concrete use case that was rolled out almost immediately is what's called fixed wireless access. So. This is essentially a way of being able to get high-speed internet broadband, if you like, to houses and homes and offices that were otherwise left high and dry when it came to fixed line or um, other mobile connectivity. So what happens here is you have a box that you stick on your window. That box on the inside of the house or the office gives you the wireless coverage, the Wi-Fi coverage, or even the cellular coverage indoors. But then off the back of it, connecting out to the network, it's using quite targeted and uh, tuned 5G signals to connect you back into the network. Now, that's a very tangible, easy to understand benefit. And it's actually being used for good uh, in terms of helping break down the digital divide, giving people access to high-speed internet where they haven't been able to have it before. So, so it's, yeah, that's thing. essentially gigabit internet, yeah? Yeah, so I mean, you can get very high speeds through through the five G network. Now, how much they're actually going to deliver to the home out of that is, I think, a commercial discussion is going to be based on whatever the operators want to do, and what to provide at the price point you want. So yeah, it could be gigabits. I think the first one in the UK to do it was three UK. They came out pretty strong with with their um, FWA fixed wireless access proposition. So that was been that I think is the first tangible 5g thing that can only be done on 5g really but then we do have the whole world of iot and russell maybe you want to talk about the world of iot pre 5g 5g and that kind of blur in between yeah and 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 that's an area that world of pre 5g and the low power long range radio technologies that are out there that has only really begun to take hold in the last Really, I, I'm going to say the last five years or so. So, if you take, for example, Laura Wan, Laura Wan was only invented as a radio technology back in 2012. So, it started to be really commercialized from about 2016 onwards, and it's still, still to this day, there's um, there's new parties jumping on on that. Like, for example, this week, Amazon have made a major announcement about uh, uh, Laura Wan enabling AWS, for example. You know the reason it just to spend uh, spend a moment on it. The reason that LoRa and these other low power sort of IoT technologies have have sort of grown is because the operators, the mobile operators or the carriers as we call them here in the states, haven't been able to provide coverage to enable services to ag and you know these these broad based service services that that uh, that are out there. So LoRa filled that gap. It basically filled a coverage gap, and and as a result of that filling that coverage gap, it grew rapidly. And, and it's still growing. So, you know, that's the world of IoT, as we know today, on that very low power, long range kind of stuff. Now, so an interesting side note on, on that, and this will bring us on something maybe later <clears throat> on about the future of 5G as well, but Amazon Sidewalk, 
so Amazon Sidewalk is, as I understand it, some proprietary extension of the LoRa technology that's being embedded into their consumer devices. You know, it, it creates this local area network through which devices mesh. can communicate with each other. And mesh then, networking. Yeah, mesh network. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Do you think that's a, well, how, how would you look at that if you were a mobile operator? Yeah, you got to be looking at it with uh, with some some some. I won't say trepidation, but you got to look at it very very closely because potentially, you know, if we look at the number of Alexa devices and Ring devices and all of these hardware devices that Amazon has got in each and every home, they've got the hardware. If you like to create those access points, now can they? You know, they've asked themselves the question: Can they extend that to a say a, a mile square kind of network? Somebody's got a dog with a tag on it. And if it goes out and gets lost in the neighborhood through this sidewalk network, you can actually track and maybe potentially find your dog again. So that's what they're saying that is could be beneficial for that. I'm sure they've got visions of better services or more enhanced services that they're going to offer through it. But that's an example of you know where the world of IoT is today. So it's very much, um, it's very very dynamic and it's very active in sort of rolling out that 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 low power uh, IoT world. Now, when you come to the world of 5G, where does it make sense? You start talking about industrial IoT. I think now we're going to go back to the to the site, uh, the industrial site, the airport, the ports. And I think in Europe, there, there's there's quite a few of those that now maybe Scott, you you would you would call them sort of trial rollouts. But there's quite a few implementations already, as I understand from the research that I've done. You know, in ports like Rotterdam and Hamburg and Antwerp, some of the bigger ports in Europe, they're already rolling out 5G. Uh, so, so, so just for the audience here, how can a port roll out 5G? I mean, surely it's the mobile operator who has all the expertise. You know, how, how is this going to actually physically work? You say it's happened already. Well, I'm, I'm going to have a crack at that in terms of, you know, you would think that the, 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 the system integrator of choice to roll out anything to do with 5G would be the operator. But there are yeah. new players coming into that that are acting, that have the ability to roll out special managed services that in the past, these guys might have built up expertise rolling out Wi-Fi networks. Now they're rolling out 5G networks. So in terms of what, what you need to do, and, and Scott can help us out on this in describing, what do you need to do to bring up a private 5G network? You need some form of a base station, you need connectivity to the internet, and you need a, a bunch of access points. You need, but you need spectrum and you need a license, don't you? Well, you don't, because 5G is actually open. And Scott, you can help us on describing the spectrum requirements. 5G, I mean, it is open. So I'll, I'll, I'll let Scott sort of uh, maybe explain that to us. Yeah. So, I mean, these are some of the very interesting things as to where 5G might take us in the future. So w- when I was describing kind of you know, what it is and how it's evolved, this is one of the areas that has, <clears throat> that has seen a lot of kind of development. So traditionally in your 2G, 3G, 4G networks, the, the radio frequencies that those technologies were used were very, very tightly bound to certain frequencies. And then those frequencies were very carefully controlled by the local regulators and they were auctioned for ridiculous prices. What was, what was the 3G auction? I think it was in the UK <laughs> was 62 billion or something, wasn't it? Was it 32 yeah. billion? Yeah. A, snip. A snip at the price. <laughs> exactly. I'll have two, please. Um, so, but with 5G, they, they've, they've created the technology to be a little more agnostic in terms of the spectrum, the frequencies it can work over. And 
yes, there's still going to be these kind of managed areas of frequencies, these managed spectrums that the regulators are going to control and you'll have to bid on them and you'll have to go to the auctions and buy your slice of airwaves, if you like. But then it's also been developed to support, and this is what Russell was alluding to, um, development and deployment across what's called unlicensed spectrum. So when you um, fire up your Wi-Fi at home, that's using airwave, um, you know, radio waves across the air as well. That's operating in certain bandwidths in certain um, frequency zones that are allocated as kind of open, open for use as long as you don't abuse them too much. Now, there's pros and cons for that. It's free, but you don't find many factories relying on on Wi-Fi too much because it gets a noisy space. And by noisy, it means that the signals don't travel very well. And when they do, they can be unreliable. And you only have to live, I don't know, in Paris, in an apartment in Paris, where everybody's got their Wi-Fi on, everybody's got these Wi-Fi boxes from free, maybe, or orange, to find out that when you open up your Wi-Fi list, you've got 400 different access points you can connect to. All of that makes noise in the air. Now, that's because it's all all un unlicensed, uncontrolled. You don't get that so much in traditional mobile networks because the planning is very rigorous and very highly controlled, as I said, and you know, licensed. But the great thing about 5G when it comes to unlicensed is it means that you can go out and buy your 5G network kit, your base stations and your, your, your radio access network and all of that stuff that you need to make a network. You can put it into your factory, into your port, and you can run it over these unlicensed networks if you want. And okay, you don't need to go and spend 62 billion on <laughs> licenses yeah. to run your port. So, so is, 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 has anybody done this up to today? Is there any examples of this? We'll take a break there. That's the end of podcast one. Podcast two will be available tomorrow. Scott has picked the outro tune, which is Arcade Fire, We Used to Wait. Deep in